Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 12 as we study how Abraham was approaching Egypt in fear, confident in what was going to happen, but how we too confidently fear something is going to happen, but we really don't know. Now, Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God, will begin with our Bible teaching for a Friday in just a moment. Now, we'd like to encourage you to go to our website, friendshipwithgod.org, if you'd like to donate and support this Bible teaching radio program and also our Jewish Evangelism Outreach Ministry with Israel Restoration Ministries. Tom Cantor is a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and as a Jewish Christian wants to reach lost Jewish people. And he wants to encourage you to reach the lost Jewish people around you by being an Israel Restoration Ministries volunteer. Now, you can work directly with us, or we can just give you gospel materials so that you can take them and bring them to the lost Jewish people around you. In fact, we had someone call this morning that was interested in reaching lost Jewish people all the way down in the nation of Belize, and there are Jewish people around the entire world in small pockets and corners and everywhere, not just in major Jewish cities, but all over this nation and all over the world, and this person has a heart to reach 250 Jewish people, lost Jewish people, in her area of Belize that are there as vacationers, business owners, and people. So we're going to help her by supporting her with sending gospel gifts and materials that she can deliver right to those Jewish people so that they can make a free will decision to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior with this information. We give them frequently asked questions by Jewish people, Tom Cantor's testimony in a written form and on a DVD, as well as prophecy fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ proving he is the Jewish Messiah. All those materials can be given to you to give to lost Jewish people if you will help us to reach lost Jewish people. Now you can start by calling us at 800-247-3051, Thirty fifty one, or fill out our online form with your information or your friend's information that's Jewish that you want to reach that we can mail them information about Jesus being the Jewish Messiah. You can do that at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Now here is Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis 12 about Abraham approaching Egypt in fear. Egypt that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. So Abraham's approaching Egypt. A great fear is beginning to grow inside of Abraham. He's becoming increasingly afraid of the Egyptians. And this fear is just driving him crazy, Abraham crazy, so that he comes up with this plan that seemed the right thing to do to him. He was convinced. It was a bad plan that Abraham came up with. And when Abraham presented his plan, you could tell it was bad from verses 11 through 14, because when he presented it to Sarah, there's not one mention of God in his plan. So this is a plan without God. And, and he's, he's not putting his trust in the Lord at all. And he's afraid of the Egyptians. He's doing exactly what we're warned not to do in Proverbs 29, 25, when it says, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. So what is the snare that's being referred to in that verse? When Abraham allowed himself to fear, then he forfeited his ability to trust God. So what was Abraham afraid of? He was afraid of not being safe, because that's what the verse says, that whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. He's afraid of not being safe. But the verse says that if we trust the Lord, we will be safe. Now, if we fear man, 
and say that God is not able to keep us safe, then we fall into the trap of losing the opportunity to see God keep us safe. So now in verses 11 and 12, we read these words. Came to pass when he was come near there that he, he said to Sarah, Behold, now I know thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass that when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, and they will save thee alive. No, as I mentioned before, it's just amazing how confident Abraham is of what's going to happen step by step. It's incredible. He starts with the I know, and he says that they will say, and they will, they will kill, and they will save. I mean, he knows the whole thing. You know, Abraham is so smart. We should elect him president. Who <laughs> has? He knows everything. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but there's only one thing that, as we said, that Abraham has left out. He doesn't know what God's going to do. And that's the missing part. And so that's why we're told in Proverbs 27.1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Thou knowest not what God's going to do in this situation. And so he got into trouble when he thought he knew what he really didn't know. And we get into trouble when we think we know and we brag about tomorrow and we have no idea what a day is going to bring forth. What a difference a day made for Job. What a difference a day made for that husband. What a difference a day made for Mark's father. What a difference a day could have made, could have made for Abraham. But Abraham was worrying too much about the future, and that's what got him into this trouble. And that's why the Lord said in Mark 6, 33-34, He said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, All these things shall be added unto you. Take, therefore, no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient, enough already, unto the day is the evil thereof. So we seek to please God, and then God will take care of our tomorrows. Now, making a plan for tomorrow of projecting a wife into adultery is not pleasing to God. Now, in verse 14, Abraham here, he has this plan, and he projects it out there. And so when he gets there, the Egyptians, sure enough, they see that she's a very pretty woman, and no doubt about that, and they commend her, and the, the Egyptians just do these things. They take her into Pharaoh's house. Now, Abraham had an enemy. He had an enemy. We have an enemy. It's the same as God's enemy. God had a plan for Abraham, and that involved Abraham's seed. To thy seed I'll give this land. And that plan involving Abraham's seed involved Abraham in his one flesh with his wife, Abraham and Sarah. Now, God has an enemy who listens very closely to what God wants to do. God's enemy cannot attack or destroy God directly, so he can attack or destroy God's interests. And so when he hears, when Satan hears of God's plan, what better way to get to God than to destroy his plan? And in regard to Abraham, what better way to do this than to destroy God's plan for, that involved the marriage, to destroy the marriage of Abraham between his wife, and so through adultery. So God's enemy has been at work since Genesis 3, and as soon as Satan heard God say to Adam that he had a plan for him to have this wonderful fellowship with God in this garden, and that Adam should keep the garden that he is responsible for. Then as soon as he heard that, Satan then went to work to separate God from Adam, to separate Adam from God, and to drive him out of the garden through sin. 
And that's what's behind Genesis 3, 4 through 5, where the serpent says, you shall not surely die, and God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes will be open, you shall be as gods, and so forth. And so our enemy, Satan here, as in the case with Adam, as in the case with Abraham, as in the case with us, he's walking about, as it says in 1 Peter 5, 8, walking about seeking whom he may devour. And therefore it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary or your enemy, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And it was Abraham's fault that he fell into this mess. Abraham let fear make him walk into this trap. Abraham did not have to set his wife up for adultery. Abraham and Abraham alone was responsible for this, just as Ananias was responsible for telling the lie to Peter that he had sold the property for a certain amount and given it all for charity. And therefore, Peter says in Acts 5.3 to Ananias, but Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Now, why would Peter say to Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart if Ananias was not responsible to let Satan fill his heart. Otherwise, Peter would have, taken, would have turned to the Satan and said, why did you fill his heart? But, but he said this to Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart? And to keep back part of the price of the land. Ananias followed Satan and let him fill his heart with the lie. That's why Paul uses this word yield in Romans 6.19. Speaking about ourselves, he says, speak after the manner of men. He says, for as ye have yielded your members to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants, to righteousness unto holiness. So we determine what we yield ourselves to. God doesn't determine that. No one else determines that. We determine that. That's why Paul in another place made it very simple when he said in Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. Don't give place to the devil. We determine if the devil has place. That's us. And that's why that word, seeking whom he may devour in 1 Peter 5, 8 is so important. We'll continue studying the Bible here on a Friday with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in just a moment. On Friendship with God, this Bible teaching radio program is here to help encourage and exhort you to do more for the Lord Jesus Christ and grow in your relationship with Him. And one of the ways that Tom Cantor does that is providing some free information at our websites that you can download, watch, view, study, and grow in your friendship with God. We also have an online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org that you can go to and get plenty of Tom Cantor's materials as well as other materials from his Creation Bookstore. It'll help you with your understanding of science from a biblical perspective and the creation account also from a biblical perspective. Hundreds of materials all available at our website, friendshipwithgod.org. Just click on Resources and Tom Cantor's Materials, or you can visit our Creation Museum website at creationsd.org. Now, what happened with Abraham's plan? Well, we see it in uh, verse 16. Genesis 12, 16, where it says, And he entreated Abram well for her sake, and he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. So what a picture we see here of Abraham. I mean, look at all this he's got now. Wow! You know, Abraham's got sheep and oxen. He didn't have those before. 
He's got he asses and men servants and maid servants, including a very nice, young, pretty little girl named Hagar. And she asses and camels and, and you know, Abraham, he's made out like a bandit in this deal. Because look what he's got in all this stuff. But there's just one problem. Abraham has lost his wife. Abraham doesn't have Sarah. And that's left in Abraham a big, giant, aching hole in his heart. Because all the sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants, including the pretty little Hagar and the, the camels, they all just don't take the place of Sarah. And Abraham is sick because he made a bad deal. He made a wrong deal. He lost his precious wife. And he looks at everything else he's got, and he says, nothing compared to her. And he just made a bad deal. And what Abraham got in exchange for his wife was just not worth it. And he wants his wife back. And he's not happy with all those things without his wife. That's the way the devil does it in life. That's the way the devil works. He's the master of the bad deal. People are never happy with what the devil gives in exchange. And the ultimate bad exchange that the devil does for people is stated in Mark 8, 36-38, where it says, For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... Of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So the ultimate bad exchange is to give up God for what the world has to offer. A man who gave up his whole career and his life here in the United States to go to an Ecuadorian jungle to bring the gospel to savage Indians was one day reflecting on what he gave up in the U.S., And he wrote these words in his diary, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And after his body was found on a beach, he was martyred by those Indians. But today, that's a tribe of saved souls because Jim Elliot saw through the devil's bad exchange and decided to be no fool and give up what he he cannot keep and then not give up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. So that bad exchange was also offered to the Lord Jesus Christ. When in the temptation in the wilderness in Matthew 4, 9, the devil summed it all up in the final temptation, and it says, And he saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Just give up God, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And he could have, and he would have. But that would have been a bad exchange. And the Lord Jesus Christ knew that and said so. So Abraham now is looking at the loss of his wife, and he's helpless. He's absolutely, Abraham is helpless, poor Abraham. He's helpless to bring her back. He can't get her back. He can't go back and say, you know, to um, Pharaoh, you know, she's my wife. She really is my wife. You know, like I told you last week, oh yeah, sure. But anyway, he he said, uh, She's my wife. I just want to give all the stuff back. Take all the stuff back. Give me my wife. Take all the stuff. And so, you know, Pharaoh, he would have said, no, you know, sorry, Charlie. A deal's a deal. 
Uh, you made the deal, wife or no wife, that we made the deal fair and square. And everyone in hell today is saying that. He said, I made a bad deal. I just want to go back. I'll give up everything I got here on earth. I just want God. I want to give up everything that I got in the world and just give me God. And the Satan says, sorry, Charlie, no, a deal's a deal. We made a deal fair and square. And poor Abraham was absolutely helpless. I mean, we have to really stop and before we get to the plaguing with the God, with God plaguing part, we really need to kind of sit there a little bit and watch Abraham mull on the fact that he's helpless. He can't do anything. This is Pharaoh in Egypt. And he's lost his wife, and he got himself into this, and he caused him to lose his own wife. And he had no power to get it right, to make it right. And he was no match for Pharaoh and the Egyptians, just like we're no match for the devil. talks about their power in Ephesians 6.12, and it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and so forth. So, what do you think Abraham was doing? It was absolutely helpless, made the bad deal, the bad exchange, lost his wife. He's calling on the Lord. He's calling on the name of the Lord. He's doing what it says in Psalm 50, verse 15. And call upon me, God says, in the day of trouble. Abraham had a pretty good day of trouble. Call upon me on the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. And then what does God promise in 1 Corinthians 10, 13? There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above your able, but will with the temptation also make or create a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God, in this case, made or created a way of escape. Who would have known with the plague? It says in verse 17, And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Plagues, great plagues. We don't know what those plagues were. Got a little, seems to happen again, unfortunately. Some of those plagues involve private parts, maybe. We don't know what the details of those plagues. We don't need to know the details of those plagues. We don't want to know the details of those plagues. But God made a way of escape for, to save the marriage between Abraham and Sarah, and they involved these great plagues. And then in verse 18, we come to something which is very embarrassing and shameful for Abraham, because it says, And Pharaoh called Abraham and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou now tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidest thou she is my sister? I might have taken her to me to wife. Now therefore, behold thy wife. Take her, go thy way. So what, what could Abraham say when he's pelted with these questions? You know, what is this? And why dost thou now not tell me? And why saidest thou? Abraham had nothing to say, and Abraham should say nothing, but to hang his head in shame because Pharaoh was speaking in the place of God. It was God speaking through Pharaoh. Just as it says in Romans 13, rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. But thou then, wilt thou not then be afraid of thy power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. Pharaoh was the minister of God to, Pharaoh, to Abraham for good. And those questions, that, those three questions that Pharaoh is pelting Abraham with, it were the very questions that were going to lead Abraham back to God. Because there's one answer for all those questions. There's one answer alone for what Abraham did. And Abraham's answer is, 
because I did wrong, because I sinned, because I'm guilty, and none of this because I was afraid stuff. You know, that would only be Abraham trying to justify himself, and that would negate any confession. Confession is the only way back to God, because sin is what separates us from God. As it says in Isaiah 59.2, your iniquities have separated between you, very personal, and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. He won't hear you, see? So very straightforward confession. I did it, I'm guilty, I sinned. That's all God wants to hear. No excuses, no excuses. It says in Psalm 51, 3, for I acknowledge my transgression, my sin is ever before me. And in Jeremiah 3.13, God advises Israel, only acknowledge thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God. See, it says in 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't say if we confess our excuses, he's faithful and just. It's if we confess our sins without excuses, because only then will a person come back to God. Because confession of a, I am a bold-faced, rotten sinner. That's why I did it. It wasn't so hard for me to do that. Anyway, because God says, until a person does that, God says, I'll go to my place and just wait it out. And that's what he said in Isaiah 5.15. I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. Now, in verse 19, uh, Pharaoh said something very important to Abraham. And he said to him, I might have taken her to me to wife. You know, the I might have taken her to me to wife, Pharaoh saying to Abraham, you know, if you want to sin against God, you go sin against God, but don't involve me. That's one thing, because you nearly caused me to sin against God. And that's always the way sin is. Sin is that nobody sins unto themselves, you know. That's why in Proverbs 1, the book starts off and we see the transgressors saying, come with us, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. That's why we see the adulteress saying in Proverbs seven eighteen, come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Now, in verse 19, also, Pharaoh said something very important to Abraham. He said in verse 19, Behold thy wife, behold thy wife. He said, Behold thy wife. And again, that hit right to the heart of why Abraham did this. What was Abraham's problem? He didn't respect his wife. He didn't value his wife. His wife was not in front of him. So Pharaoh says to him, Your problem, buddy, is that you need to listen to me when I say, behold thy wife. And so when Pharaoh said that to him, he was saying to him, this is your wife. You know, as in Proverbs 5.15, drink waters out of thine own cistern and then running waters out of thine own well, thine own, thine own, thy wife. And it says in 1 Peter 3.7, likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Honor your wife and recognize the echadness of your union. The recognize the echadness, the oneness of your marriage, so that when God said in Genesis 2.24 that the two shall be echad flesh, one flesh, he is saying 
That should always be in front of you because you could hinder your prayers if you don't honor that echadness. Because you could hinder your inheritings of the grace of life, as he calls it, the grace of life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being so uh, patient with Abraham. And Lord, as we see Abraham there, helpless from the mess that he got himself into, powerless to do anything about it. And we see you coming in, Lord, with the plagues. We see ourselves helpless in our sins and you rushing in with the cross to save us from our sins. Thank you, Lord, for doing this for us in Jesus' name. Amen. What a great week of studying the Bible here with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God. If you missed any of Tom Cantor's dynamic teaching this week, you can download all of his messages at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can listen to them while you're driving on the go. If you missed this broadcast on the radio, they're all available there at friendshipwithgod.org. O-R-G. You can also find them at iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, we'd also like to encourage you to support this Bible teaching radio program and Jewish evangelism outreach ministry with Israel Restoration Ministries and our summer blitz that's evangelizing the Jewish people. If you'd like to have a part in supporting our radio ministry or our Jewish evangelism ministry, you can give a tax-free deductible donation by going to friendshipwithgod.org. Donate online at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. We've also been offering a 20-pack of full-color, four-fold gospel invitation tracks with an Old Testament presentation of the gospel showing the new covenant of Jesus Christ being the Jewish Messiah. If you want these 20 full-color tracks, you can call us at 800-247-3051, 800 247 247 3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God.